way to start the show. Like, hey, James, welcome to BitFace. Though, by the way, your website's broken. <laughs> I think we're going to be good. Can I can I throw a, a quick intro yeah. before we we get going here? Okay, cool. Are we opening in prayer. Should we? <laughs> you were at church today, weren't you? <laughs> I'm just not sure how you intro a podcast. Oh, it's it's real easy. Is it um, like radio? Yeah, it's Well, hey everyone, thanks for listening to 103.7 Bitfaced. Uh, I am your host James today on um, on Bitfaced. I've got Tyler and Eric here with me. Uh, they're going to be talking about their career at the zoo in denver <laughs> I, I don't know okay that's harder than it seems it is uh but but you have a you have a very good idea of kind of how i uh how i normally do it though i i don't like to go as much over the top with the uh you know with the sunday 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 right here on wkrp in cincinnati but i think it's important to have some sort of starting mm-hmm. point well i got criticized actually by stan yan for how i like to jump into conversations but you know i don't you don't see me criticizing his fucking art, so I don't know why he's giving me shit. But uh, I kind of like the uh, the cold open into conversation and everything. I like it too, but I think since uh, James put his video up and we got so much good feedback about that, we might want to introduce him as the person that that shot that video. Correct? It's true. Oh. We got a ton of good feedback about Did you that. Really? Yeah, and we had to tell everyone. Ah. <laughs> We know James, and he's our friend, but we didn't have anything to do with it. He did all the work himself. Why have I not seen the people who put up the two cons posting anything, though? I want to talk to you about that today, too. And I'm not going to name names or be nasty to anyone, but we were very disappointed with what we were promised compared to what we got that day. (laughs) And you were kind of a part of it because... When we told him, hey, we're going to have a you know professional filmmaker up here going to shoot a trailer for you, we just – we were expecting – we were just expecting a little bit different day. I don't know how you felt about it because, God, dude, your video looks like that con was actually pretty awesome. But we know what really happened when we were there. <laughs> right? Yeah. I actually go back and watch that video occasionally when I'm like – you know what? I want to remember that as a good time that I had. And I'm like, wow, this video highlights everything that I loved about it. I think so. you literally shot everyone that paid to attend that con is in that video. <laughs> well, as someone who's never been to a convention before, I have nothing to compare it to. So I I did kind of what I would do at a wedding where you go to a wedding and it's supposed to be one of the happiest days of people's lives. But as a cameraman, as a videographer, as a, as a photographer, anyone who's capturing moments, you'll notice that there are a lot more frowns and angry faces and like, no, you are not going to do this today. Our daughter's getting married. You know, like all that. And so it's your job to weed through all that and give them back this this product that looks like oh yeah you see that was the best day of her life i told you i don't even know what the police were doing there this was a good day you know what do you do with all that footage and has any couple ever requested like okay we want we want all of it 
You can you can cut out the meat, but we also want the potatoes. <laughs> no, actually, they only just they want the speeches, which I mean, I guess I get, but they're so boring. No one, I've never heard a good wedding speech where like I'm wiping away a tear or like taking notes, putting it into like a script or something. It's it's always like cliche, like you know, like well. Uh, as, as, as he's my brother, I, I hope he's aware of the three rings, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. And then everyone applauds. And they're like, oh, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, that's the third I'm time this year. I'm sad because I, I've done two, and both of mine were good, but I wrote them. One of them, I took three months to write the jokes, and they were not jokes that <laughs> were not canned-ass wedding jokes. In fact, I go the complete opposite. I'm surprised you've never seen a best man do a good job because I've seen other best men give good speeches. Not that mine was the best or anything, but all of my jokes and all my material was original. There was none of that. I've never heard that suffering joke <laughs> no. before, but Jesus Christ, I would never <laughs> use that. Yeah, I've heard it a lot, a lot, a lot. But so if you saw the video from Tacticon, and again, I know you guys gave us a lot of kind words about that. The guy that shot that is sitting with us here today in the Bit Cave, formerly from Runaway Films. Now the, it's the, the Runaway, Runaway Film See, Company. See, that's why you changed that it. That is exactly why I changed it. It was the Runaway Film Company. It was a mouthful. And then I'd get text messages like, hey, man, I tried to tag you on Facebook, but I can't find you. I'm like, what are you typing? Uh, runaway films or the the runaway company I'm like dude it's the, the runaway film company it's should be easy <laughs> is that one of the reasons you got rid of it because now it's just brit films correct brit films yeah um actually brit films was one of the very first names that i came up with when i first decided i wanted to do freelance videography years ago but the reason i didn't choose it was because it felt unoriginal i felt like there were too many freelancers or small production companies that ended their studio name with films um and so that's why i decided well you know there aren't many people doing company like name one the weinstein company yeah i'll do it and then uh and now, that, like, that name might be available pretty soon <laughs> yeah so uh so i decided to to rebrand myself i mean it's um i mean it's kind of a hard decision just because i had all the business cards I handed out, the website I had to buy a new domain, which I mean isn't that bad, but it's now an annual fee, and I've got to pay for two for anyone that still uses the old one, and all that stuff. Designing a new hoodie—that's that's how you know you made it. You, you were in the hoodie, um, but I felt it was easier because, um, you know, when uh, so if you're a big company, um, like name one, any general electric sure yeah you but you you call it by that you wouldn't refer to it by one person but if it's one guy like let's say a photographer um or or a dj let's say a dj and the dj is like dj mcscrabble but his real name is like steve yeah steve S stanley people aren't gonna be like yeah i've got this friend who you should totally hire dj mcscribble they're gonna say i know this guy steve and he can do it so when you're like when you're small, people just call you by name. And even though I do partner up with different people every now and then, most of the time people are just getting me because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm enough. I'm a one man show, man. Um, so people would always say, "I know this guy who shoots films, James James Britt." Um, so I figured it was just clever branding at that point. Why not just use my name in the brand so that way. It's Brit Films, James Brit. Oh, you're the owner. You're something, right? Yeah, it's me. I also did actually think about how um, Tony Stark has Stark Industries. Bruce Wayne has 
Wayne Enterprises. Why can't James Britt have Britt films? I like it. Um, not that I didn't like the original name. I can never say it correctly, <laughs> but uh, I I do like the new name. And you've been really busy lately. Uh, I follow you, of course, on Facebook and have Aww. since the first time you've been here. You're doing a lot of different stuff. I mean, outside of the videography, I think you do pretty consistently for your place of worship. I mean, is it is it just weddings? I mean, how did we even get you here today? I know we've been trying to do this episode for about six months. Wow. And between our schedules and your schedule, it, it just hasn't worked out. So is, I mean, are, is film completely paying the bills now? I've appreciated your efforts to get me back on here. Anytime I've asked your co-host, though, Tyler, like, hey, man. That was a lot of fun that first time we did that episode. I know Eric was saying we should do it again. He's like, yeah, we should. Okay, uh, when do you think? Uh, let me get back to you. <clears throat> hey, man, you remember that conversation back in, like, July? Um, I what, do, what are you guys looking like for this month? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think that's how this went. Come on. <laughs> that's that's almost realistic. <laughs> you, you know you can always message me, too, because at the end of the day... I've even done episodes without Tyler this year based on kind of what, what I wanted to talk about and do. So, yeah. But, no, I've, I've been wanting to have you back on since the first time well, I had you, you on. Because we, we talked a lot, I think, <laughs> we talked a lot about The Hypnotist Yeah. at, at that time. Yeah. You still shooting that? Is that done? So, okay. Um, I'll backtrack and then I'll answer that question. So, okay. as far as filming, um, so I currently have two jobs. Uh, first job is my day job. I work for a larger, larger organization. So with them, I, I'm their media specialist, and I shoot videos. They've got three different buildings, um, thousands of members per week, and then thousands of people online. And so I, I shoot the videos for them. Um, we just got a co-person, a uh, co-videographer. He's pretty good. He he actually used to be a bit of a like a pop celebrity back in the 90s. I had no idea. Like he had, done, he was in a music video with Britney Spears. I had to look that up to make sure it was legit. He was signed with record labels and all that, so it's really cool. And so now he's kind of just doing video, um, which is weird because this is more like his his chill out job. Whereas for me, this is my ramp up job. Um, so you know, I shoot all kinds of stuff for them. Videos that go up by email. Videos that are gonna be played in front of everybody. Um, story videos interpretive videos poetic videos but then on the side i'm doing my own freelance work um and i mean some weeks i'm doing 30 hours other weeks 40 hours like i mean it's just busy and so with brit films i um i'm doing a lot of live events lately so like concerts uh i've been to at the black sheep a lot i think last time i was here i'd, I'd mentioned how um um 103.7 uh, that radio station, they uh, they'll sometimes call me up if like um, like Trapdoor Social, banned from LA, um, they like to use me whenever they come to the Springs. Um, but aside from live events, um, well, I guess this would be a live event, but like recently shot at the the cleverly named Tacticon meets Rocky Mountain Con. <laughs> it needs one name, just a short one name. Denver Con. Yeah, I don't want to speculate, but I don't think we'll ever see those two conventions Aww. teamed up ever again based on things I've heard from behind the scenes. And it was a, a giant mess that we were all kind of involved in. And I'm not placing blame anywhere, but I knew we were in trouble. I knew I was in trouble the morning I showed up and went to the front desk and said, hey, I'm Eric from BitFaced. Where am I supposed to be at today? We don't have you on any list. And I was just like, Really? Because Tyler was here all day yesterday prepping all this stuff. So 
the fact that you've never heard of me or Tyler or Bitfaced, I almost not left at that point, but I was right. going to leave for an hour. I, I want to cry for, uh, and again, I'm not going to name names, cry for the organizer of the con that didn't have any internet. Gaming convention and no internet? That's, I know. Uh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that too. Just, I mean. I'm glad you didn't show any shots of like 50 empty computers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be funny if you saw the footage I didn't use. <laughs> or more so if you were at the con and there were rooms that you're like, why wasn't that in it? And then you realize, oh, I can think of why that room was probably not in it. Um, yeah, but uh, to answer to answer that question, long story short, um, so I'm doing film full time in all all different ways. Um, I do get hired as a cinematographer, so not just my own stuff. Like um, over the summer, no, 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 from the spring into the fall, I was helping um, local filmmaker uh, Pete Schurman. Um, with Shelter Island Films, he had hired me um, to pick up just a few shots that were missing for a short film that he shot here in Colorado Springs with a Hollywood actor, Tony Todd, who, if you don't know, he was Candyman. The, the Candyman. He was, I knew him better as just the, what is it called? A mortician? The guy that works at like a morgue? Is that a mortician? Yeah. A mortician from Final Destination. Yes. Uh, very good. <clears throat> that's where I knew him from. But anyway, a uh, film with him called IMTK, kind of gritty um blood stuff like that shooting knife wielding decapitation <laughs> stuff a little bit darker than what i normally do but uh, i was able to help them with that and then uh while i was uh shooting some stuff with him i don't even remember how he got into it but he found out i was a, a colorist which um if you think about back in um actual film physical film reel so you shoot something on film uh, at that point you have to have it developed so that you can see the image um, but there are different chemical baths you could give it to, you know, bleach bypass. You could make it sepia tone, black and white, whatever, to give it its look. Um, the digital version of that would be, you know, an actual digital colorist, um, which is w uh, part of what I do as well. For that, I can accept work anywhere. Some guy in China could shoot something and then need me to color it, and I take it, and then I send it back. And so what I do is I, I correct it so that uh, if you've ever shot anything on anything, <laughs> you've probably noticed that some shots are darker than others some are brighter some look more orange some look more green and so my job is to make sure the shots consistently look the same colors same brightnesses take out any noise and then from there to actually give it a color grade so the artistic look so like right now the teal and orange michael bay look is, is pretty popular you'll see that in in most all movies i know um dc really likes that and then uh or like with marvel no one's actually asked me to ever color anything like Marvel. In fact, people have used Marvel as an example. Like, can you not do it like them, where colors are really washed out, contrast is really low, and they, they'll ask me, like, why do you think they do that? I mean, the reason is because uh, of all the VFX that they do. It's a lot easier to hide special effects if you have saturation and contrast turned down because it hides things that your eye might see if like you had uh, like natural skin tone and now you have a CG superhero that has to look like he has the same natural skin tone. Well, if everyone has this more kind of dulled out skin tone, it's a lot easier to do it. So, um, And this is what they call in the industry when directors and stuff say that the film's going through color correction. That is what you do, correct? Yeah, so that's, yeah. So I get work doing that. Um, they had the premiere for it in Denver a few weeks ago. That was fun. Uh, I did shoot, moving on to the next question, The Hypnotist, which was a thing we were talking about. I think I was just, uh, I just written a script 
or was working on the script last time I was here. So I shot that in the new year, so almost a year ago. Um, it has not yet been released. The reason is um, there was some there were some technical difficulties with the audio that was not realized until after production. Um, and so I what's had that to... like, Tyler? <laughs> well, I know very well what that's like, and it's very hard to fix. I was gonna get some people from Japan to like just dub the voices and. Oh really? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, I was about to no. say, did you did you lose all the? No, it's uh. So I had um a local actress, uh, Michelle Pantel. She's really good. Um, she was my lead in the film, and um, because this was a drama, a lot of times conversation is really quiet because you gotta like get in their space, and so these are close ups, and um, <clears throat> um. In all fairness, uh, the boom mic is a good friend of mine from Denver. I, I'd worked with him. Um, actually, I think he does his own vlog or something on about movies or critics or something. Um, anyway, <clears throat> he had helped me. Um, but he doesn't really do boom operation much, but he wanted to help, and I was glad to receive his help. So I had to set up everything for him. But unfortunately, because I was more concerned with the camera operation, which was what I was doing, I wasn't able to every single time adjust the the microphone recorder, the device we were recording onto. And so the sensitivity was really low on some of those shots where she's speaking really quietly to where when I try to raise it up, you get all this that I could not get rid of for the life of me. So I had to go back and um, reshoot with her just the audio, matching it up. And so the only reason I haven't put it out yet is because I still have to match it up, which is taking forever. But at the same time, I have all this additional work coming at me. Lots of churches in town actually are... um, are hiring me like from the big church like i think the biggest church in the springs new life church all the way down to like little guys with like 50 people who don't even have a videographer like uh they're seeing my stuff and get my name and talking to me and so venues and you know friends who invite me to happy conventions hey man i thought you would enjoy it <laughs> i liked it i did um no offense to the gaming aspect of it. i'm not really a gamer but I really loved the anime portion, just the cosplay and stuff. I've always wanted to do cosplay, but I don't feel like I look like anybody, so I oh, can't do it. More so than I do. You could pull off all sorts of characters. Like I did it who? for the first time this year, and I have the same attitude you do, that I can't pull off like Star-Lord or anything like that. So I had to really go with someone. Like I think you have to pick someone that you think you can do to start. And so I picked Brody from Mallrats, and I, I think I pulled it off pretty well. Um, not only in uh, costume, which I spent a lot of money on, but I was prepared to answer questions as Brody because I think putting on a costume <laughs> is great. You got to be in character. Oh my god! Yeah, you yeah. have to. If if you love that character and you're dressing up like that character, bring a little bit of that to the character, and I think that helps a a lot. I've been told I look. <laughs> I don't take this as a very flattering compliment, but I can see it. Um, I look a little bit like a young Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh my. God, dude, with the Jurassic Park shirt on too, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how do you walk in there looking like him? You just have to pick a uh, pick one of uh, pick one of his movies. Pick, yeah, pick one of his movies. Jurassic Park. I think he had a leather jacket, right? Maybe like a yeah, and the glass, underneath. the big uh, frame glasses. Yep. You could pull off Doctor Ian Malcolm. <laughs> I could see that. Maybe that's what I should do. But I want to be a fun person. Like I'd like to be. I I, I saw a costume at Spirit. Right before Halloween, it was uh, the Robin um, Arkham something. Arkham Knight? Probably. He, he, it was more like a maroon outfit. 
Yeah, Robin. It, it looked really cool. And of course, the guy in the picture on the costume thing looked really like cool in it too, and he looked fitted. And I was like, hey, this is a costume. It's supposed to fit anybody. I will look cool if I try it on. I tried it on, but me being the slender 143 pound, 5 foot 7 Latin American guy, um, I put it on and something just did not feel right. And uh, that was that was a moment that I knew that I could never cosplay. So it was fun being around all these people. Insanely good or balls uh, that I put buff, but I think he could do like Yeah, so. Jason yeah. Todd. The uh, second Robin from Batman. He's the one. I mean, that, but uh, from like, yes, but like he's comics, that, movies, comics. He's the one that dies and becomes uh, Red, Red Hood. Hood. That happens. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Back in the eighties, DC had a one nine hundred number, which those things don't even exist anymore. And you decided you could call in either <laughs> let Robin live or kill Robin off, and everyone voted for Robin to die. Why? So it's the, the crowbar throws him in a house and blows him up, and there's a famous shot of <clears throat> Batman carrying dead Jason Todd out of the. Uh, that's like the last shot of the book. If you want a really good interpretation of it, but uh-huh. you don't want to go and find all these comics, there is a DC animated called Under the Red Hood, yeah. and it is brilliant. I'm so, guessing animated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Animated. And it goes into Joker beating him to death with a crowbar and everything. So it's really cool. Speaking of Joker, I'm trying to think. When, when was I here last? It wasn't this year, was it? Was it last year? It was last year. So It was 2016. Probably around this time. Did the Suicide Squad come out after I did it? Yes. You guys watched that? Yeah. How did you feel about Jared Leto's Joker? I'm sure you've talked about this at some point. I know we really haven't talked about Suicide Squad because I think we both hated it so much. (laughs) I think we disagree a little bit on Jared Leto as Joker, though. Okay. Um, The movie was overall trash. Just (laughs) horrible, awful trash. No arguments. But I think Jared Leto as Joker was pretty interesting. And if they had more shots in the movie with him, because he he showed up for maybe three minutes, like three different shots. I think he was in it for like 10 minutes. It was mostly like what flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, flashbacks, and then he helps Harley at one point. I wasn't fair to the movie because of how much crap it got. I watched it the worst way possible on an airplane. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, so that's how much of a fair what will shake be good I gave. there? Nothing. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I didn't I didn't really like it. I liked it just because it was in the DC universe, and I I'm you know little guy underdog. I like DC because Marvel's killing it with films. Well debatably um they are though <laughs> let's yeah, be honest. did you okay. see i know you're not um, a big fan of marvel we talked about this last time when you're here did you see ragnarok no not Boy. yet oh it's, yeah it's they take it they take the a Thor franchise shift. seems good yeah it's a tonal shift they i mean it's a comedy yeah i it's yeah, a i got comedy. that vibe i'd be interested to watch it um but yeah suicide was just it awkward yeah. Is how I can describe I, it. I feel like they clickbaited so many of us to watch it, like, oh, it's the Joker movie. And then you go and you're like, no, this is the Suicide Squad movie featuring bit parts by the Joker. I did not like Jared Leto's Joker. I get he was more like the mobster in it, but I know so many people think this, but I agree with them that uh, Heath Ledger just, he he did a good job. Cause, um, how do you follow that? Well... And that's, I mean, that's the thing is you can't really compare them. He's not trying to play Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. He's, he's trying to do his own. So. And that, and, and that's what I love My about it. My chemical Joker is what I call them. <laughs> My chemical Joker. Because like, um, 
De Niro. No, not De Niro. What's his name? Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Like, visually, he was just creepy. Like, that smile, the ear-to-ear grin. Like, he looks like a psychopath. And then Jared Leto's Joker, he looks like he's probably heartless. Like, you know, he would, you know, stab your mom in front of you, not bad an eye. And, like, I don't want to cross this guy. But Heath Leather, Heath, Heath, I can't say it. Heath Leather? (laughs) Heath Ledger's Joker. (laughs) Heath Ledger's Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker. There we go. I got it. Um, What I liked about him is just his character is total serial killer, like psychopath. Like to where, forget what you know about the Joker. He's, it's uh, just... He has this presence about him to where you can't tell if either he is just so genius, this character, that he has everything planned out. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. Or if he is just so chaotic that it doesn't matter what happens next because he will roll with it as perfectly as anything else. And he he feels like, yeah, like... (laughs) <laughs> like he could go toe to toe with the guys from House of a Thousand Corpses. He is just—he's scary. I feel like in in another movie he could be a very scary, like actual, like oh my god, I'd rather take Pennywise over this guy. And that's what stuck with me. He was a bad guy, but then after that, you see Jared Leto, and it's just like, ah, this guy's cranky. Like you know, <laughs> hands down the best comic book villain performance in yeah. any movie. Uh. I was so sad when when Heath died too because I think we get a different third Batman movie if Heath Ledger's still alive. I don't think we see the Bane story at all. Yeah, which would have been awesome because we would have had a good third Batman movie. I agree with you there. I, I don't know because you never know. You never know. It's such a gamble to touch something that's like this was really good. Let's not let's not try again. Like uh somewhere in the shirt jurassic park one versus number two or three and then uh jurassic world was okay but probably just because so much time had passed to where it felt like you were just rewatching jurassic park one like oh yeah i like this movie you know jurassic park three was a garbage fire man that was the one with virtually the same dinosaur from the jurassic world right yes exactly yeah i remember that it's like william h macy julianne Mm -hmm. moore they get you got a pretty decent cast but I thought Chris Pratt was fun in Jurassic World. It definitely gave it a different element. Um, it's weird because so many times, like you watch a movie like like uh, well, like Suicide Squad or anything, and like Will Smith is like Will Smith in every movie, or or uh, what's his name? Um, he was just in the Mummy. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise in every movie. Um, I think it was <laughs> it. Chris Pratt's like the only one where it's like, oh, good, he's Chris Pratt in this movie. It's it's the only one where it's like, yeah, I like it because Chris Pratt's almost a character. And so instead of like, ah, oh, he's just the same, you know, actor in every movie, it's like, oh, cool. They invited that character into this universe. I thought he was the best part about Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, I yeah. should say. Uh, and I guess we're getting a sequel to that very soon. Yeah, I wonder what will happen. My guess will be it's going to start off with wonder. And then there's got to be a little bit of like, oh, no, I could see how this would go wrong. I hope it doesn't. Then it's going to slowly go wrong. Then it's going to terribly go wrong. Someone from the beginning who claimed it would never go wrong gets eaten. (laughs) And then somehow 
they'll survive at the end you'll feel better and you'll think wow those dinosaurs i'm so glad you know kind of had a rough rough relationship with them but i'm glad they're here i think you've studied a little bit of film before (laughs) it sounds like so when you're when you're doing weddings Mm -hmm. you've got to have like what's like one of the worst things that has has happened weddings are just rife for i don't like shooting weddings you you hate it okay i i don't I don't. I actually... Um, is it good money, though? Is that why people still do it? or I've declined the majority of weddings that people have asked if I would film. Um, wow, okay. The last wedding I shot was because the bride was a friend of mine, and um, I got tired of saying no for half a year. <laughs> she just kept... Like, I mean, like, any compromise, like, okay, what, what if... What if what if we don't even tell you it has to be good? What if we don't need it for like two years? What if like, like try to do anything. So I'll be like, well, okay. I'd be dumb not to take the money. But yeah, it's exactly for that reason. A lot of people, a lot of videographers or cinematographers that I know that do weddings will tell me the same. Like, dude, I hate weddings, but they pay the bills. Cause you know, it's, it's a one day shoot that usually pays upward of 1500 bucks for the average wedding. And the main thing that just takes forever is editing. But because um, wedding videography, not like the old school, like just a guy with a VHS camcorder, but like now making a, a fun little five minute recap, you know, for your Facebook and whatnot, because it's been so standardized, um, editing doesn't take as long as it used to because you're kind of inventing a way of like, okay, how, how do I, how, should I make this like a movie? Should I make this like a, a home movie? Should I make this like, should I just do the whole thing and just clean up the audio and make it look good? But now because everyone kind of expects it to be this short little shareable thing, it's just, it's really easy. It'd be no different than, you know, shooting Comic-Con. It's just the reason I don't like shooting them are twofold. One, because um, the photographer has the easier job because all you have to do, I'm looking one way, click, let me turn the other way, click, I'm getting all the moments, click, 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 and that's great, and no, you know, no hate on the wedding photographers, I've done wedding photography, that's why I know how much easier that was compared to wedding videography, where you can't just be pointing the camera one direction for a second, then pointing another place, no, you gotta capture the entire moment, and oh shoot, I am pointing it at grandma doing this funny dance when over there the bride and the groom are having this romantic intimate moment, let me point at them, oh no, I missed it, oh, and the grandma, she just said a joke, and everyone's gonna hate me because she's probably dying in a month, and you know, it's stressful, that's why it's so hard to figure out what the right things are. But I will say I am not a dedicated wedding videographer. The ones I know where they do that like full time, they got it down to, to science. So it's probably a walk in the park for them. The second reason I don't like wedding videography, no offense to all you ladies out there, but it is the bride because <laughs> they have a vision. They want it a certain way. You give it to them. You talk to them. You ask so many questions to make sure you knew exactly what they wanted. You give it to them. And then it's like, well, actually, could we try with this different song? Or, well, could, could we actually put all the speeches back in there? Or, you know what? Um, no, I, I hate. I have a double chin in that shot. Can we, can we not use that? And I'm like, that's a shot where you said I do, ma'am. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have another one of it. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's... It's not my favorite. No, because I bet you you put hard work into something and you deliver it to the bride. And then if they want like to change everything, well, then why the hell didn't you just shoot this yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it can be fun 
when they are good sports and um if they if they want to add a fun element to it like one of my buddies he shot a he shot a wedding and i i was jealous because i haven't gotten to do it the way he did it the bride and the groom wanted to shoot um this thing where it was like a little I don't know, like a, a, a movie trailer that happened and the lights go down at the beginning of the ceremony and then just starts rolling on this projector screen. It's like a movie and it's the bride and the groom. And then what happens is uh, when the trailer cuts, they come in and they finish the rest of the skit like a movie and like you're watching a like a play at that point or something. It just sounded so fun. I don't get that though. I get the, the bridezillas. And uh, I've been starting to uh, step into quinceanera territory Okay. Which, uh, for anyone who's not uh, Latin American, <laughs> um, think Sweet 16, but, but instead it's the Sweet 15. Right. And instead of like, all right, well, invite, you know, six of your closest friends and they can spend the night. It's more like, no, uh, sweetheart, we've been saving uh, money for this since before you were born. The budget is $20,000 for your quinceanera. Um, we're flying in people from all over the world, uh, including three Catholic priests that meant a lot to us in our childhood. Um, this is going to be big, and you will probably meet the man that you will someday marry. Don't let us down. Like, I mean, it is huge. It's insane. Um, but I've been asked a few times this year if I could do it, and at first it was like, no, I, I wouldn't know. But uh, I've been watching some of the videos on YouTube. I'm like, this is exactly like a wedding video. So maybe I could do it, you know? Except I bet bridezilla gets replaced with the mother of the daughter (laughs) correct yeah maybe i i guess i'll have to see i mean fortunately i speak spanish so i should be able to hold my own toe to toe (laughs) um i would say my favorite things though to shoot um have transitioned last time i was here it was uh it was just narrative filmmaking so actual movies um short films stuff like that i like ones where you can do lighting where there are takes where there are actors who you know, they know what they're doing. You can do it more than once in case you didn't get it right or in case you want it different. You you can uh, you have all of this footage to use to cut and color and, like, make it look like something. You can, you can pretend and act out this perfect moment that really wouldn't happen in real life. That's fun. Um, but I've liked... I've liked doing event videography, like at the convention, you know, like, uh, especially when, like, did you guys see when I had that, uh, the handheld gimbal where I'm walking around and it's making a really steady shot and people I, see me carrying that. They all wave at it. Like, what is that? He's holding a, a drone or something, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's where you took that Thor shot, right? Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. That was particularly good looking what the thor the thor as like the way that it was shot because he was holding up the hammer and everything so it made a lot of sense to to do that yeah it was it was kind of on the spot um i wish i'd had it more centered i mean i i did that and i saw the things that i wanted to do that didn't do right and i'm sure everyone else just saw it and like oh this is probably really cool and i'm just like it wasn't what i wanted (laughs) but let's say i meant to do it like that (laughs) i thought it came out great and again it's it's the if you only saw the video, you might want to attend the con next year. If you, if you went to the con, probably not so much. It was. I'm sad that yeah. was your first con because I'm really looking I forward it was to. Okay. I'd like to see you shoot like DCC. That is Denver, Denver Comic Con, and I hear that's huge, right? Like 115,000 people. That would probably be fun, but like I had no idea how it would film like tabletop game. What is it called? Tabletop gamers? Is that? Yeah. Cause um, when you when you when you told me that that there would be tabletop gamers, I'm like, so are they gonna be playing like 
the game of life or like <laughs> there were board Monopoly. games but not that, that's what i thought and i was just thinking shoot should i get like close-ups of like the thimble uh how do, how do i make this look exciting um and i got there and it, it was actually really cool like the little miniatures yeah um so the the pro is that they're fun to look at. They're just cool. And it's like, wow, you know, you guys painted these? these this is intricate. A lot of, you know, kudos to you. Yeah. I'd like to see what you could do with like a life-size thing. Um, but the con is that it's static. They don't move. And so I'm like, what do I do to make the shot look interesting? And so that's why I did a lot of these like slow turning past it or dollying past or someone trying to reach for it, some sort of action in the shot. Yeah, that's the tough part about like, you know, the good part, like you said, is it is hand painted. Even the landscapes people will make out of different types of textures and all sorts of cool stuff like that. So it's it's all intricate and it all looks awesome. But unless based on like how the game is played, it's not fast paced. So you'll have one person doing a a whole turn and that turn will take multiple minutes to accomplish. So there's not a lot going on while they're explaining the actions of their units and everything else like that. So yeah, it's not fast paced. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to move this guy here, 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 your turn, go quick. And everyone's moving. It's, it's slow. An observation I made though. And I know people at the cons are probably like, you know, artists of their own kind. And as an artist, I can relate that you never like to be judged super harshly. Um, the people who were there for the gaming con, like the attenders who were doing the tabletop, and uh, I mean, that was mostly it, right? Yeah. Um, it was very hard to find happy shots of them where they're smiling. <laughs> and um, if they looked at me or the camera, where most people would be like, oh, hey, smiling, I'm on camera, they'd give me this look of like, can you point that somewhere else, please? Whereas I walk over to anime territory and they're like, oh, hey, can you stay right here? Let me grab three of my girlfriends and we're going to pose. Oh, my God, this will be hilarious. I'm like, oh, cool. You guys are so fun to be around. Um, way different worlds. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> I don't think you could be more accurate. And I would have been really curious to see the video game element mixed in there because that's a whole different set of people that you didn't really get to see because there was no video games going on there would definitely would have been action on the screen there i think they probably would have been similar to the um tabletop players though that the uh, don't shoot me i don't want the camera in my face when i'm trying to beat this level or whatever gamers in general are fickle assholes like and I'm, i'm calling out my own my own people here and i'm one of them um, but yeah, no, filming an RPG session, even when they live stream D&D on the internet, I make it about five minutes and I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm bored. Next, let's watch something exciting. I think that's even though different is like some of the D&D players seemed like they didn't mind the camera being around. They had a lot more going on because more people were talking. Were those the circular tables for yeah. people? Yeah. yeah. Some of them looked like they were having a good time, but they just ignored me, which yeah. was fine, actually. That's fine. So long as they look like they're having a good time and I can capture it. They're more because they get really entranced in a world that they're trying to create in their head. So they don't care where you're at, what you're doing. If you're not sitting at the table actively interacting with a story, you don't exist. 
So yeah, there that's there would have been four different styles of you know nerd there. There would have been you know cosplayers. There would have been gamers, and there would have been tabletop, and there would have been uh, well, I guess miniatures, and then there would have been tabletop. So they're all different in personality. That's for sure. I got. I tried to get a shot of as many vendors as I could as well. Um, I wanted to include more of the tabletop, like the like they made their own board game. Those people were actually very friendly and very nice. The only thing is, um, visually there wasn't enough like to where I was like, this will enhance the video. The vendors over like uh, in the anime side where they're selling like comics and the illustrators, I tried to add as many of them as I could, but some people like it came down to like, well, sir, if you wanted to be in this video, you should have smiled when you were looking right at me <laughs> or when you had a customer right there. What kind of service is this? But other people, like, I mean, I, I feel like the people I did put in, they, they looked like the friendly bunch. Like, they waved or they were interact- interacting with the customer and having a good time. And I have no problem advertising them, promoting them. Like, yeah, these are good people. If you see them somewhere, buy something from them. You got the Brit Films guarantee that you'll have a good time. I think everyone was just trying to make the best out of a bad situation that weekend. Was it really that bad, though? I mean, again, I've, I've never been to one, so I don't know if these things are like the Super Bowl and I went to like a high school game. You did. Oh, you, you okay. went to like a middle school, like <laughs> youth foundation game. Special. <laughs> was it really that bad? I mean, I thought it was fun. The merchandise was cool. I wish I had come there with, like, a big budget of, like, just to buy stuff. Like, um, my daughter went nuts over this tentacle kitty thing that was there. Uh, and, like, and the people behind the, the booth, they were super nice. Like, the first day, yeah. it was the wife. And, like, she, she was like, yeah, do you want me to do anything for the camera? And I was like, this is great. No one else is even <laughs> looking at me. And then the next day, the, the, the husband, who was, like, the actual creator... And he was like, yeah, you know what? Your daughter's there. Here, take some free posters. And I'm like, you guys are awesome. They were super nice, yeah. We were supposed to have them on the show. Oh, nice. And yet again. I would love to do film work with them, but the thing is their thing is animated, so my medium does not exist to them. Yeah, I don't really see like a real-life tentacle kitty (laughs) working out very well. It could be cool. Like, like, so for example, um, I pointed out several times to you guys at various times that I'm not a gamer, or at least I don't consider myself a gamer. Cash. But, <laughs> yes, cash. Cashmere or whatever. Um, very casual. Very cashmere. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I got my Samsung phone, it came with a Gear VR headset, and I thought, oh, this is nifty. Um, and no wait it didn't it came with the little gear watch instead everyone else got that i had to i remember that no i had to buy it because someone else got it with their phone but anyway um i got it i thought this is probably gonna be fun for five minutes i tried it on and it was fun for about a week um i downloaded any free game i could that was good um and then anything i had to pay for i mean coming from a background where like the only gaming that i knew was like nintendo 64 where like if you play a game or buy a game oh this is going to be the whole summer me and the ocarina of time you know or me and nothing but diddy and donkey kong going at it whereas like if i pay like for a ten dollar game and i'm like this has three levels um like with any phone app so i didn't want to do that and so after a week i the only fun i had with the headset was like when someone else came over and i was like hey have you ever tried virtual reality well you got to try this it's a roller coaster or a haunted house with a clown that kills you um but then i found this one game 
It's called Wands. Um, I got it for my wife, who is a huge Harry Potter fan. And I thought, hey, honey, uh, you know how you don't really care for virtual reality? You'll probably like this. It's called Wands. I'm guessing it has to do with uh, wizards and magic. And she tried it on, uh, and she screamed. And she took <laughs> off the headset, and I said, what happened? She's like, I went into this this temple or something, and someone threw a big fireball at my face. And I was like, well, did did you move? And she she just had no idea what to do. And so I tried it on, I was, and uh I figured out how to pull up a shield and how to fire back and how to move around. I was like, this is kind of fun. Um, next thing I know, I'm in the top like uh, in, in, of, of the players who have been playing this since like the game came out in 2016. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm spending like all of my free time doing this, like rushing home during my lunch hour or coming home like after work or spending my weekends like um it validates why i decided to never be a gamer because i always figured i'd get addicted to it i was about to say open but you are now i was gonna say (laughs) maybe he's not so cash after all that's the full definition this is my approach in high school my friends were getting into gaming playstation and xbox and all that and i think what was it like the dreamcast or something was out and uh <laughs> oh, it's, it's covered up but it's right over there and i remember they were all getting into it and i was thinking this looks like a lot of fun i could probably be really good at it but i noticed that a lot of my friends did not have girlfriends and i thought <laughs> let me pick a hobby that gets girlfriends and i picked up a guitar that year i learned how to play and i dated a lot of girls in high school but as someone who's now been married for this will be coming up on my 10th anniversary wow. yeah i know and i'm in my 20s man well, at the end of my 20s, but my high school sweetheart. Um, I figured, you know, well, since I don't need to be attractive to women anymore. Uh, no offense to gamers. <laughs> this was my honest-to-God mentality. I thought um, I could probably just do a hobby that uh, that I will have reasonable control over now that I'm an adult. And I... Uh, <laughs> Lo and behold, I am addicted to this thing. I can't, like, now I, I was at Walmart last night looking at PS4s and the Switch and, like, asking the guy there, like, I mean, what has the most fun games? What's going to last me forever? Um, I'm having to get used to all this stuff. Like, I go on the Discord, which apparently is, is everybody does that. And yeah, they'll, they'll use these terms, like, GGS, and I'm like, Good golly, Sam. What does that mean? It's like, good games. And so I was doing GGS to everybody. They're like, dude, we only played one game. And I was like, yeah, good games. And they're like, GG means one game. We had one game. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm sorry. And like, and they used all these abbreviations and terms. And, and like the word noob is now heavy in my vocabulary. Um, but it's it's fun. And it has been fun until occasionally someone comes on there on a rampage lashing out at the developers how certain things are overpowered in the game certain things need to be balanced or unfair because we've got different platforms like uh so i'm using gear vr uh for wands you can also use um the the daydream pico and the oculus rift and each one of them has their own pros and cons but uh with the day or with the gear vr you have a, a gamepad which is like a remote and I'm able to do movements that are very unrealistic for virtual reality, but very helpful for gameplay. Like a 180 degree spin. Yes. Yeah. And so I've mastered that to where I, I can like jump across 
an entire like location and spin around 180 degrees all within the same half second. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. So now it's this whole argument of like, no, we want the reality and virtual reality. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because I've deprived myself of gaming, but I kind of like the advantage I have in that it's not real and I can do 180 degree turns in less than half a second. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a game. Like, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to be able to turn around that quick and then fire, you know, magic at your opponent. Virtual reality is fun, but I like just that it's a 360 game. I guess I would say yeah. 360 degree game. You should, um, based on what you've told me right now, if I was going to recommend a console for you, get the PlayStation Virtual Reality. It would it will blow your doors the off. Rift? No, PlayStation no. has uh, PlayStation has their own VR. Is it Vive? That's PlayStation no, it's VR. PlayStation. PlayStation. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually not expensive anymore either. They have some. It's the for... cheapest way to get. Uh, well, a what home what do you setup. call cheap? Like a you... grand? Ah, less than that. No, I'm talking console and everything he would need about a grand. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you need a pro. Yeah, you need the virtual reality, and he needs games. Thousand dollars is a pretty good estimate. Yeah, fun. I mean, if you guys get it first, I'll try it. I'll come over. One of us will like be it. getting it very soon. Nice. I, I imagine. I I struggle with virtual reality. I get sick. <laughs> I have to be sat. Aww. If I sit down, I'm fine. But I tried to play Resident Evil standing up, and I had to throw up. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm so I've done so many hours in virtual reality now. I'm looking for games and apps to bring me that initial sensation of like, whoa, I uh, guess I can do a coaster without flinching, you know, um, haunted houses, like something will pop up in front. Like I might shiver a moment, but it, I don't flinch as if like some of my friends who try it for the first time, they'll put their hands in front of their faces, like blocking themselves so that they don't get killed. Um, I kind of miss that, you know, initial What's the word I'm looking for? Wonder? Sure. Not the word, but yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like the initial yeah. immersiveness. The immersion? Is that yeah. immersion? Is that a word? Yeah. Immersion. Immersiveness. Yeah. The immersiveness of virtual reality. That is something that I would like to feel forever. Um, just not in movie format. Virtual reality, reality movies are, are awful. Have no you ever offense. tried... Do you have any capability to shoot in 3D? What's that like? I don't even know how it differs. So, wait, to shoot in 3D or virtual yeah. reality? Because those are two different things. Two different things. Are you talking like the Phantom camera? Yeah. Is that what you would use uh, to do like a 3D movie? That's how they so, shot a lot of 3D movies. So, like to shoot, to shoot a 3D movie, yeah. you would need a camera that can shoot... Basically, two separate sensors, two separate images, side by side, just a little bit. The same as how you have two separate eyes that are just a little bit apart. And between the two, you have a certain parallax with motion and movement. So that way, when you're wearing 3D glasses, if you move your head, it feels like the image moves ever so slightly, which is just enough to make it feel like it's real. And though there are 3D elements in virtual reality, 3D of its own is a different thing. I would like to shoot a 3D movie because that could be fun. Things coming at you. I would not like to shoot a virtual reality movie because everything I've seen so far, and I know we're at the beginning and I know like the university of Southern California, which is, you know, George Lucas went there, like all the big guys went there. They're investing heavily and in teaching the next generation of filmmakers, virtual reality filmmaking. Cause they think that's it. And maybe it will be, but from what I've seen so far, the issues I have, I'll, I'll like watch a horror film in a short horror film. And 
I'm facing the wrong way when there's a jump scare. You'll hear this music like, oh, something's coming out, something's coming out, and I'm looking the wrong way, and then suddenly, bam! I'm like, what? Nothing happened! And I turn around, I'm like, oh, there was a monster there! And I missed it. Um, or th- the only way I think that they could f- work with it is if they merged the gaming aspect of virtual reality with the movie aspect. And the only successful things I've seen, like there's this one on Oculus, um, Face Your Fears, where certain these these are short interactive videos you stand still you just watch you don't have to do anything but certain ones you're watching and you have to be looking the right direction for it to move forward so if you're looking the wrong direction like for example you're in this telephone booth in one of them and it's like alfred hitchcock's the birds and there are these crows everywhere and if you're looking the wrong direction the birds you'll still hear them there's ambient sound effects but it's kind of like a loop and you can't tell where it's looping and it'll just you'll feel like nothing's happening and you'll start to hear like a sound in the direction where you're supposed to look and you look over there and then it it picks up to the next thing if they can do that in a way that isn't so annoying and i guess if they do that that would never work in a theater where everyone's experiencing the same thing everyone would need their own personal experience and to me i i just don't like the idea of going into a futuristic theater where you sit down in a chair with a hundred other people, put on a headset, headphones, and I mean, there's no point in being around all of them because you're experiencing something completely different from them. And then your timing would be different from them. Some people finish the movie first. You hear a scream next to you, and you're like, "Oh, something's about to scare me." You know, I, I don't see how it's gonna work. It definitely like I, I don't understand how you would watch a or why you would watch it's a, a virtual reality it's effort. Yeah, it's but- not relaxing. I'll put it like that. The whole reason to go to like a movie theater is for like the large screen. Yeah. And you know, the Coke and the popcorn. Overpriced. Uh yeah, for sure. But even so. Uh it's the experience. Yeah, and you know, there are people around you, but everyone kind of experiences the movie all at once. Yeah. So whereas virtual reality, the screen is as you know, it's as big as your vision, right? So uh and you don't see the other people in the theater with you. So why wouldn't you just watch that movie? On your couch or, you know, in your bed. What I believe, it's going to be a lot harder to get there, but what I believe would be more satisfying would be an augmented reality movie. So you put on a special set of glasses that cover your full scope of vision. You can see through them. And it feels like you're just wearing glasses and they're clear, but really they're computerized lenses. And somehow the technology in it is able to embed elements of the film into the environment you're looking at. You can see your friend next to you. You can see the whole theater. Or maybe you're in a room where you're walking around and in the movie and everyone sees at the same time some character enter the room to where it looks so realistic. You can't tell which ones are other people wearing headsets to which ones are just characters right there in front of you. That could be cool. It's just hard then. How do you how do you make that a narrative 90-minute thing? I think, I think it's great for gaming, for movies. I mean, I don't want to be one of those people that say, you know, like, man, we'll never fly. And then, you know, here we are catching the red eye to, like, Detroit and whatnot. Um I, I, I don't see how it can happen now. I'm sure it can happen. Some genius is going to come up with it. Um, maybe it'll be me. Probably not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the time-tested films. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for what the future holds for filmmaking and for gaming. But there's just something that I think that is timeless about the way things have been done that I hope carry on.
I don't think we have time to get into me asking you about the Grateful Dead today, do we? <laughs> that was the only other thing I really wanted to talk about was uh, as soon as Tyler told me, he's like, oh, he grew up on Dead Tour. I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, And this wasn't mentioned to me before the last episode? Uh, Are you I, a deadhead or something? Or is it just interesting? I wouldn't say I'm a deadhead, but I, um, and I've never talked about this on the show, I went on tour with Fish for like a year, year and a half, pretty, pretty much straight. So that community i always felt and i still do that i'm on the outside looking in i was always like i wasn't camping i was staying in a hotel i was a very you know i, I didn't do the whole hippie thing and mm-hmm. i hate calling it that because i hate that word but <laughs> i just when tyler told me that i was like i've got to talk to him about what that was like as a kid because i saw it as a college student and post-college so it was it was one giant mm-hmm. fucking party but for you, obviously, it was definitely different growing up there, right? Yeah. And we don't prefer the term hippie. We like the term <laughs> sons of the soil. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I was about to say. <clears throat> no, it, the term hippie um, is hated. <laughs> it's it's a hipster thing now. Like, when someone says, like, oh, my friend's a total hippie, I don't think, like, you know, Woodstock, Groovy. I think, of like, oh, it's a hipster who is vegan. That's probably it. Um, I'm trying to think how quick how quickly I can speak because I'm sure we're short on time, and I have a uh, I have ADD, so my I go down bunny trails. That's all right. Tell us about your experience as a child. <laughs> okay. So okay, so um, uh, so uh, on my dad's side, which I guess is where it more so starts from. Uh, they were Orthodox Jews. Like, I mean, Orthodox as you can get. Certain foods go on one type of plate, and other types of foods go on another type of plate, and they can never be mixed. Like, I mean, you have it separated. They uh, lived over in Europe, but during World War II, Holocaust, all that, they had to migrate, came over to North America, um, and my dad was born. And my dad took as far left a turn from the ways of the family as possible um became a total hippie like i mean you see pictures of him as a kid and he's like crew cut clean cut looks like he's gonna be you know going to boot camp then off to military you know retired marine and i don't i still don't know exactly how it happened from what i understand it was probably like a scene in a movie where some friends were like hey and his name was james too i'm james the third um you know hey james why don't you try this and he's like well sure fella and then he tries it next thing he's coming out of vans full of smoke with a new perspective on life and a new destiny um but he became a traveling vendor um who left his family to go across the united states um with any sort of festival hippie movement grassroots bluegrass like type of stuff um, he would help friends to sell their either homemade or imported merchandise. And then one day, um, one of the guys who he was buddies with told him, hey, I'm going down to Central America to pick up some some goods that you can buy dirt cheap there and sell back here and Americans will eat it up and you'll make a huge return on investment. Like bring whatever money you can and come. And so he did. They went to Mexico. They bought a ton of stuff. Um, he only had a few hundred bucks. <clears throat> 
But remember, this was like the 70s or 80s, so it was like a lot. Um, he came back, and he made four times what he had invested, like in one show, and he's like, this is what I need to be doing. And so he'd keep going back and forth and back and forth, and then uh, one time he was in Mexico, someone's like, hey, buddy, you think stuff's cheap in Mexico? You should try Guatemala. <laughs> like in Guatemala, <laughs> like, I mean, your dollar will stretch for miles. And so he said, yeah, sure. Like he would just go anywhere at the drop of a hat. He went to Guatemala. Um and like he couldn't believe it like he was spending a fraction of what you would spend in the US for a hotel for restaurants for like all this kind of stuff and buying merchandise like so much like he had filled a van full and he met my mom who was native guatemalan um i was conceived at some point and <laughs> born here in the US i don't know if i was an anchor child or what cuz my dad was born in canada my mom was born in guatemala so i was born here in in the in the middle um but so he introduced my mom into this lifestyle of like we're selling stuff and I'm starting a business um, and it freaked my mom out like big time because her first impression of America like when she first flew in was right in the middle of a Grateful Dead show where like acid and shrooms were like everywhere. From what I understand, she broke down in tears that day and never wanted to come back to the U.S. But my dad swore to her that's not america that's just the fun side of america and it's just for the weekend um so she stayed things worked out <clears throat> i was born there's some pictures of me as like this newborn little week old baby with band-aids on my ears um and i didn't know until years back why that was it was because uh you're not supposed to bring newborn babies to these festivals with these huge amp speakers as big as like a house and so that was their way of protecting my little ears and so before I was three years old, I had already been to a hundred dead shows. I had already shown my naked body to the world and back. Like, I mean, I grew up around the smell of like pot and home brewed beer and fajita chicken. Like you wouldn't believe, um, grilled cheese. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what psychological effects it had on me, but like, like environments to where like everybody's like, you know, we're all your dad, little James, little Jimmy. We're all your mom. We just want you to know you can turn to any of us. Like, it's cool. Like, to where my dad was becoming, like, a big person. Like, he he knew Jerry Garcia, and he, he was kind of big at these shows. And so, like, I remember one time I got lost as this little naked toddler. <clears throat> one of my earliest memories, I got lost, and I had no idea how to find my parents. And some hippie just walks up to me like, dude, are you looking for James? And I just start crying, and he assumed that was it, and he brings me a dad. And I, and I just always remember thinking, how did he know I was my father's <laughs> child? I, I could have been any of those naked children. Um, but yeah, and so I grew up selling tie-dye shirts, hacky sacks, living out of a van. That was life to me. But then um, as, as all wild things end, and uh, eventually my dad decided to settle down instead of touring to open shop in Bowling Green, Ohio, which is where I grew up for a while. And we brought all our imported good stuff there, sold stuff there to college students who were all into the hippie thing and fish and whatnot. Um, and we sold a lot of stuff that I didn't know what it was at the time, which now I understand what it were a variety of bongs paraphernalia <laughs> like, yeah. things that things that i was like these are fun toys like i want the wizard or like why does daddy have all these skulls like they're they're just skull shaped bongs like i did not know um and so my mom to undo 
all of this, decided to invest this in Catholic school where I stayed until uh, I became a tween or teenager, or whatever they're called, preteen. And then um, I became a gothic emo throughout high school with like huge Liberty Spikes, nail polish, eyeliner, um, getting arrested, shoplifting, running away from home, vandalizing cemeteries, like all of that stuff. Apparently, that's what a, a hippie upbringing leads to. Just instead of like the not, opposite, not wanting to be part of the system, now you've got to destroy the system and everybody and yourself, you know, and self mutilation. And then uh, now here I am, an upstanding member of society who hates shooting weddings, but has uh, decided to be an entrepreneur of of his own to to start a film industry as a firstborn American citizen under his parents that will lead on to, to make legendary films where I do things that people will say are impossible, like making a good virtual reality film or Superman versus Iron Man, <laughs> you know, stuff that people will laugh at like you guys, but I will find a way to make it happen. Well, next time you come on, we might have to go more into the, the Grateful Dead stuff because it fascinates me. It really <laughs> does. And even when I go to other concerts and see – I mean, one example was I went to an Iron Maiden show, and they played something supposedly that they hadn't played since like 1977, and there were grown biker-looking dudes <laughs> crying, like, "Oh my God, they haven't played, you know, Raper Behind the Shed since the '77 <laughs> tour. Like, what's going on, man? You know?" And yeah. It it the the fandoms fascinate me, and I think you saw a little bit at Tacticon, just the different. When you put different fandoms and they all get together, mm-hmm. everyone likes certain things. So yeah. I mean, you even you, you don't even like the dead, though, do you? For me, so it's not, I don't turn it on and I'm like, yeah, this is what we're grooving to today. It's more like, uh, this is the soundtrack of my childhood, which isn't bad. <laughs> like when you it's... hear Sugar Magnolia, you're like, oh, yeah, remember that time I got lost? <laughs> <laughs> or like if, uh, like living in Colorado, uh, <laughs> the Mile High State, you know, everywhere smells like a childhood memory now. Um <laughs> So it's just this is a big nostalgic city for me um but uh yeah i think i think i think stuff like the bluegrass of old will probably come back in a new way um like i mean john mayer are, are you guys familiar that he kind of stepped in in jerry garcia's place lately yeah. and been doing a lot of shows and the fans have accepted him because like he's an amazing musician amazing guitarist and he's like channeling the spirit of jerry garcia because like he's getting into it and if he can do that, and this is, like, before his time, I'm just thinking, you know, all the fans that, like, Mayer following over to, like, Jerry Garcia, this is how, you know, a new genre, like, post-bluegrass starts to where maybe the all the hippie kids like me, who are now completely different, we put a different spin on it. I, I don't know what it'll sound like. Well, I mean, I think the dead in some form or fashion, as long as one of them is alive, will figure out a way to play. They even did that big farewell. I was like, that's not farewell. <laughs> I mean, and then John Mayer has come in because even mm-hmm. those shows in Chicago, Trey from Fish stood in for Jerry. Uh, Mayer obviously has a much better voice than Trey does. I'd argue Trey's a better guitarist, but uh, I think the Mayer, the Mayer thing fits. No, I don't. Um, I probably have four or five dead albums. I could probably name 20 Grateful Dead songs. <laughs> I don't throw them on all the time, though. In fact, I, I went more from uh, – I kind of left that behind, too, kind of like you did, different reasons. I went to Indy, Indyland. 
I went to, you know, more, more rock and things like that. But yeah, no, it, it just fascinates me that that's, that's kind of how, how you grew up. So I wanted to make sure that we, we talked about it a little bit on the cast before we wrap today. Is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Since Tacticon's not plugging your video, I know we've done that. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. What is, I, ugh, I, I wanted them to show the video, not just because I'm like, look at what I did, but more just like. I, I I'd seen I'd haven't. seen other videos they did, and no offense to the guys that did that. I'm sure they really did try hard, but I tried really hard to give them a newer product, a modern product, like really good stuff to where they'd be like, yeah, this is cool. We love sharing it. And then the only people I've seen that actually have publicized it is BitFaced, my favorite local podcasters. <laughs> I mean, who else do you need? But it'd be nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll still, uh, we'll still reach out to them again multiple times because maybe what they're looking forward to doing is as it gets towards their other conventions that are coming up, uh, the guy who runs Tacticon runs Genghis Khan as well. And that comes up in March. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's specifically, you know, a tabletop gaming one. And so as they get close to that, maybe they'll be like, Hey, look, this is what cons are like. Come enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that video does it very well. That is one of the main things I have heard from people who have, who have seen it. They say, I've never been to this, but this looks awesome. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I've heard similar feedback, but when a lot of your audience is, you know, friends, people know you, it's hard to tell when they're just being nice. Kind of like when you, when you have a baby and this baby's really ugly, but everyone's telling you like, oh, he's just the cutest little thing. And really it's like, um, what's his name from the Goonies? Oh, uh, sloth. Yes, it's a little baby <laughs> sloth, and you're just wondering, like, am I the only one seeing this ugly baby? And and really, it's just everyone being nice because they're trying to be supportive. I can never tell when I have made a very sloth video, and everyone's just calling it pretty. You know, but, and Tyler doesn't get that reference because he's I haven't seen never the seen the Goonies. What? <laughs> and you call yourself a dork? Goodness. <laughs> no, never dork. Geek. <laughs> That's right. Geeks are smarter. (laughs) Um, Yeah. As far as plugs, really quick, I will say, so um, anyone who is familiar then, uh, I was formerly doing business under the Runway Film Company, but it has transitioned to Brit Films. That's B-R-I-T-T Films. Website, BritFilms.com. Facebook.com slash BritFilms. Vimeo.com slash BritFilms. YouTube.com slash BritFilms. Your mom slash BritFilms. I do videos. If you need videos or know someone who does, um, give me a call. Shoot me a message. Unless it's a wedding. (laughs) If it's a wedding, taking calls from the grooms because they usually tell me the groom will just be like, I don't know, I just my wife told me to call. Like, um, can you just make it look good? Yes, sir, that I can do. <laughs> All right, cool. We got a deal. I don't intend on getting married again, but if I do, you should shoot it as a movie. Like just uh like me busting all superhero style and like they try to steal my wife away or something. What do you think about that? I would like to shoot every one of your future marriages. Awesome. The next five. I'll get me on retainer. <laughs> yeah, God, I hope not. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by and, and talking to us uh, today. It's been a pleasure. Next time you want to come, contact me first. <laughs> I will do that, Eric. I, I, I promise you quick, quicker no, booking. Come this on. Is just good cop, bad cop. Bad cop pretending to be a good cop. No. A great cop. <laughs> for the record, Tyler and I do go way back. Way back. Yeah. To, uh, man... 2005 or six. Yeah, this guy took some shrapnel for me back in. Oh yeah, back in Afghanistan. That's true. I appreciate <laughs> it. You still have all that, like steel plate in the tukus. Yeah, 
you know, it's harder to sit like on anything because like cotton feels like just fucking metal. I bet. <laughs> You've always been metal to me, brody. Or brother. Metal. <laughs> buddy. Thank you again, though, for, for coming. I don't know what tangent you guys are going to go on next, so I'm just going to go ahead and end this right now. Uh, thank you again so much for coming by. James Britt from Britt Films. Across the table for me, as always, or not as always anymore, but as when he wants to be, Tyler Runtier G. Glaze, the chairman of the Soundboards. I am Eric G. Hollis, and we, just us three, are Tacticon.